Seven iconic housewives from four different cities. Look at this water. We're going to give them something to talk about. Vacation at Turks and Caicos. The party now. The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. All episodes streaming now, only on Peacock. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun's just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. It's still really damn it, damn it. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Still Realto Show, episode number 588 for May 20th, 2021. This is your WWE WrestleMania Backlash Recap and Review Edition of SRTU. I'm one half the show, I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my host, the one only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, what is up, my friend? Oh, nothing, just uh, getting a little bit of that pre-summer heat down here in the south. And then I realized, Jeff, that you know you're old and in a lot of pain when you break your finger and don't even realize it. You broke your finger and didn't realize it? Yeah, well, I don't know if I broke it yet or if I tore a ligament, but my middle finger on my on my left hand from the knuckle, from that last knuckle to the tip, it is just bent down, and I cannot straighten it out. And I just realized it like 15 minutes ago. So well, I, just a tip. Wow! But I just, I'm like, I cannot straighten my finger out. I'm like, I think it's either broken or I tore a ligament, but did not realize until 15 minutes ago when I, when I was getting into the house. So I, we do have something in common here because I actually broke my finger once uh, when I was a young kid and uh, didn't realize it for the longest time. So much so that like my fingers. So I played basketball, like that was my main sport growing up, and I think if you play basketball or football, like your fingers are messed up because the amount of times you probably jammed them or broke them and didn't realize it. So like on my right hand, like my index finger curves a little bit because that's how it's set. And there were times where I'd be like, you know, I don't know if you ever played basketball, Dr. Trey, but when you would like the, you know, if you went to get a pass... And you closed your hands early or whatever, caught the tip of your fingers and it, oh. you know, pushed it down. Sometimes you were like, uh, you know, I'd make a ball and in, in, into my fist, uh, I could close it down. I guess it's not broken. And then I would have the little bruising at, at, at the different joints. And then it, I would realize that I probably broke it. And so at some point in my life, uh, I broke my right index finger, didn't realize it. And uh, it's a little bit curved. So... We have a little bit in common here. I did not expect that we were going to start the show like this, to be honest with you. Well, I'm sorry. It was, that reminds me. Actually, so my uh, the ring finger on my left hand, 
I actually fractured the knuckle at a show at Rocket City back when the show first started, you know, four years ago. And I thought I just jammed it. And I went to the doctor probably like a month after the incident happened. And he's like, oh, no, it's, 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 it's fractured and it's kind of set. So my the knuckle on my left hand inset more than my pinky knuckle and my middle finger knuckle. And actually uh, is about maybe uh, an eighth of an inch farther down into my hand than the rest of my knuckles. Like it just it just sits off by like an eighth of an inch and he's like yeah it works fine now it's just it got fractured and basically set into a new position and just stayed there see now this is a, an interesting segue because i wanted to ask you this at the top of the show but we got down the uh, broken finger route for the first three minutes of the podcast uh speaking of rocket city championship wrestling how about this for a segue wrestlecon yeah. 4 it's in the books this past weekend how was it takeaways uh tell the listeners everything that uh, took place there down in alabama uh so you know, i mean so full disclosure, um, I actually did not feel well that night. So I did my opening segment and then just kind of hit outside. I was running a fever and just didn't. And I just basically kind of segregated myself away from everybody else. Um, but pre-show, we had the meet and greet. We had uh, you know Gangrel there from you know WWE fame. We had Larry D from Impact Wrestling, uh, Spencer Slade from who you can see on AEW Dark. Uh, and actually he's wrestling Josh Alexander for the impact, uh, for the X division title coming up at IWC wrestling up in Pittsburgh here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we also had Logan Cree from MLW, Mil Muertes from MLW and Lucha Underground, uh, action Mike Jackson, who people have seen on, who saw, you know, 70 some odd years old wrestling on impact earlier this year. So we had a great meet and greet. Uh, that part was really great. All the guys were super friendly and nice and cordial. Um, Show though from every from all the reports I've gotten in was, was really great from top to bottom. Um, I'm actually going to post the full show to our uh, our Facebook page uh, with commentary. We have a commentary team now, Jeff. It's, it's like we're we're getting along there. But uh, overall, like it was a really great show. My wife was in the very first opening match, and she did an outstanding job for her first in ring debut. Um, so over that that was the actually the only match. I watched from start to finish with my wife's match. And then I was like, yep, I'm going outside. I don't feel good. And just kind of hit out. But the fans loved it. Uh, all the workers came back and said what a, what a great time they had. Um, nine matches all over the place. Crowned a new Rocket City World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, oh, yeah, because Sin Bodhi was there. I forgot to mention Sin Bodhi. Uh, stupid me. Sin was fantastic as always. But, yeah, just overall great show. Uh, fun time. And uh, looking forward to next year's. Oh man, it's uh, it's. Did you guys do WrestleCon? Uh, it was delayed last year, right? Well, so we had decided. So the first two years we did WrestlingCon in August, and we were running into the start of Alabama football season, the start of school, and everything else. So last year we were going to move it back to May. Well, then the pandemic hit, and then we had to push it back out to August again. So the plan is actually to run the event in May like we did this year. But last year we were able to run wrestling con, socially distanced, um, and all that stuff. But it was that was we had boogie that was year we had boogeyman, uh, two cold Scorpio and some other guys in there last year. Uh, so you know the plan going forward is we're going to do the the Rocket City Rumble um, around January. Then we're going to do a, the wrestling con in May. We're going to try to come up with like a, a Thanksgiving type match as well, maybe like our own little version of Survivor Series or something, so that we can actually kind of run 
uh, four big shows a year is kind of our plan going forward. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I always remember you. T- this is the biggest show, right? This one. Yeah, this one we actually had probably. I think we had close to four hundred and twenty-five people for the show. Wow. So I mean, and tickets were tickets were kind of pricey. Front row was like a hundred bucks, but you got your own souvenir chair autographed by a bunch of different wrestlers. We autog- we raffled off um, a full banner that was autographed by everybody on the show. Eleven by seventeen poster autographed by everybody on the show. So. Uh, the fans got a chance to take home some really cool merchandise to kind of commemorate the event. Wow, that's fun, man. I'm glad that everything worked out for you guys. Uh, and uh, when's the next big show, then? Uh, our next show is going to be uh, June 5th. And then I think as of right now, we're building towards uh, the next big show. will probably be either... I'm trying to talk about doing like a Halloween Havoc-type show because we have a lot of people that work uh, at different ha- uh, haunted houses. So I'd like to get like maybe you know, a tie in to Halloween Havoc. But uh, I think as of right now, like we're going to, we keep running bi-weekly shows the first and third Saturdays of the month uh, up until either maybe late September, late October and do another big show around that time. All right, cool. So go out there, check it out. Rocket city championship wrestling. Dr. Trevor will also be putting it up on our uh, Facebook page soon. So facebook.com slash the still real to show. All right, Dr. Trey, let's get into WrestleMania backlash. Uh, the pay-per-view that took place from WWE this past Sunday. The first match here we did not predict. It was uh, Sheamus defending the United States Championship against Ricochet. Um, Sheamus won the match and retained the United States Championship. Uh, some of my notes from the match, good match that made me wonder why WWE isn't using Ricochet more on Raw. Uh, if you're not going to use him on Raw or SmackDown, at least move Ricochet to NXT where he was highly successful. Uh, as for Sheamus, I think this has been one of his best years as a sing- singles competitor in some time. We saw this also carry over to Monday Night Raw as well with Sheamus and Ricochet. So it's good to see Ricochet getting some love on the pay-per-views and Raw. It's been some time. Uh, very solid match. Ricochet underutilized. Sheamus potentially underappreciated. Your thoughts? Sheamus defeated Ricochet. Yeah, and, and maybe this is because of the you know previous Monday with the Humberto Carrillo incident that they were like, okay, we were doing this thing with Carrillo. He's hurt. Who, can we, who do we got slotted in? We can fit in. Well, we got Ricochet, and the guy's super talented and, and, and really good on the microphone. Um, I enjoyed the back-to-back matches. I thought they were both really excellent matches, and you kind of showcased what these guys are great at. Ricochet stealing the hat and jacket I thought was kind of funny as well. Um, it, once again, the old-school tie-in of whatever Raw can do, SmackDown can do, you saw it with Nakamura stealing Baron Corbin's crown. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was a good showcase for both guys. And, you know, the, the problem with a guy like Ricochet, where he's underutilized the main roster, NXT so jammed. If you slide him back to NXT, where does he fit in? Because once again, that entire roster is slammed full. It's just right now you have an abundance of talent and not too many places to put people. Uh, next match here was the triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship: Rhea Ripley defending against Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Doctor Trey and I both had Rhea Ripley retaining, and Rhea Ripley did win this match and retain the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, it was a great triple threat match. It seemed like all three women had great chemistry between one another as their spots flowed really well, which can be hard to do during a triple threat match. Uh, I hate to see Asuka take the pin again, but this was a great way to continue building Rhea Ripley as a top star on the Raw brand, while Charlotte Flair gets protected for not taking the pin, as Rhea still has not pinned Charlotte in her career, which I would imagine would be some sort of underlying storyline here uh, at some point. Dr. Trey, this triple threat match was incredible. I love this match. Rhea Ripley defeating Oscar and Charlotte Flair to retain the Roman title. Yeah, I thought it was an outstanding match. It, it, it's weird because every now and then you get these uh, triple threat matches where you know you have you know person one and person two have good chemistry, 
person two and three have chemistry, person one and three have chemistry, but then when they're all together, it's kind of, oh, this is one of those rare occasions where it's like, okay, all these women individually against each other have great chemistry, and then this match worked really well also. So um, good job for all of them. Once again, and you're right, like in these situations, like if Charlotte had taken the loss this quickly coming back, you know, we've been like, wow, that's kind of weird booking. And then Oscar takes the loss. Well, it's like crap. It sucks as Oscar. And if Rhea had lost, we're like, well, why'd you just put the belt on her? Like there was no good outcome, I guess, in a sense. Like somebody's got to take the pinfall uh, for the match to be finished. So just right now, it looks like Oscar's kind of the odd person out in this triumvirate over the Raw Women's title. Uh, next match here was for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Dirty Dogs defending against Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Dr. Trey and I both had the Mysterios, and Ray and Dominic did win and became the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Uh, overall, pretty good tag team match. The SmackDown Tag Team division has been an underrated bright spot in all of WWE lately, in my opinion. Uh, if I had any complaints, I would have it done away with the injury angle and let Dominic show what he's got in the ring. I thought the finish with the frog splash looked a bit light when he landed because it seemed a bit too soft and protected. Uh, once again, suspend my disbelief and make it look like it hurt so bad that it put away the opponent for three. Uh, Dr. Trey, your thoughts here is the Mysterios are the first ever father and son duo to win tag team titles in WWE. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the match was okay. Um, but, like, to me, this, this this match kind of focused on them kind of hiding Dominic. And, you know, you go back to SummerSlam last year with him and Seth Rollins, it's like, man, they, they had a you know banger of a match. And he's had some other good quality matches. But, like, lately, I don't know if he, it feels like he's regressing or maybe the quality of opponent isn't as good maybe as he had early in his run. It just kind of feels like Dominic's lost, I don't want to say lost a step, but you know maybe not progressing as quickly as we like. Otherwise, it was a great story, father and son tag team champions. That's that's amazing. Um, just kind of sucks for Rudin Ziggler because I actually really enjoy those guys together, although I'm still not a fan of the Dirty Dogs as a tag team name because I think they owe Eric Dorsey money. Right. That's true. That is very, very true. Yeah. Uh, next match here is the Lumberjack match. Damian Priest taking on The Miz. Dr. Trey and I both had Damian Priest getting the victory, and Damian Priest did win the match. Obviously, the story here is that they uh, ran with zombies for uh, Batista's new movie that's coming out on Netflix. Um, I don't think I've seen worse movie placement in a match since Robocop in WCW. Um, it was distracting trying to watch the match with zombies outside of the ring as lumberjacks. It may not have been bad if they went down the cinematic route rather than the in-ring route. It's too bad that after being extremely good soldiers over the last several months that this is what Ms. Morrison and even Damian Priest get. Uh, not sure how this match and moment is to help Damian Priest become a breakout star like it's being reported right now that they want him to become. Uh, and then to top it off, Miz may have torn his ACL during the match and may be out for most of, if not all of, 2021. Dr. Trey, um, what a shit show. <laughs> Did this set wrestling back 30 years? That's what Jericho said, right? Yeah, it, that was, it was... It was tongue-in-cheek, but... Yeah, I know. It, it, to me, uh, I, I get them... I, I don't get... I get he's weird. Okay, so I get them wanting to promote Batista's movie because WWE guy, they got to tie in with the production company, all that stuff. I get that. I don't understand why to tie it into this match because Batista, I don't believe, has really ever interacted with Miz and Morrison. He really has never interacted with Damian Priest. 
So I don't understand the tie-in. Then on top of that, you look at basically just the shit they have put these guys through. I mean, you go back to all the stuff with Bad Bunny, which Bad Bunny WrestleMania match actually came off pretty well, but just the fact that you had a celebrity tie-in there. Now you got a movie tie-in here, and it's like, God, how much how much crap do you feed these guys and expect them to make something gold out of it? Um, yeah, this is right there. I mean, the, the ECW zombie was better than these zombies. And, and we remember how much people hated that. It, it, you're very well right. This may be the worst thing I have seen since the RoboCop tie-in, because I'm trying to think of another movie tie-in that was worse than this. I mean, I, didn't Hogan have, like, the Thunder and Paradise boat at a show once or something? I can't remember. Oh, I don't remember that, but it's possible. I mean, this is up there. Uh, which, by the way, RoboCop coming out to help Sting against the Four Horsemen in Capital Combat was uh, most recently the 31st anniversary of it. I'm sure that was something that most wrestling fans remember. But uh, just complete garbage. Uh, it was awful, especially with the reports that WWE thought Blood and Guts sent the business back 30 years, and then they pull out something like that. Like, I get it. You know, you want to do movie placement, you're doing a solid for Big Dave Batista. But, man, like, that's that's what you come up with. You just paint a bunch of NXT or WWPC students up in zombie wear and have them run around the ring. And by the way, Scotty Tuhati um was was one of the zombies as well. Like it's just and he didn't and he didn't do a zombie worm. I that would have been funny. That would have been yeah. funny. I think he was the zombie that like came out from underneath the uh commentary table because I was like, man, that 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 guy looks familiar because I, I quickly recognized some of the zombies. Like August Gray, for anybody who watches two oh five live was one of them. Uh it was just just bizarre. I mean, there's not much more to write about it. I mean, Ms. Morris and Damian Priest, they, they did, they've done wonders since January. Very unsung heroes in WWE right now for the stuff with Bad Bunny. Uh, and I felt like Damian Priest is on the road to to being potentially an upper top tier guy on that Raw brand. I mean, there's, there's some light uh, contenders right now for Bobby Lashley, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. And, and he could be one of those guys that may slip in in here in the next couple of months. If he continues on his trajectory that he is, if WWE is is considering um, making him a star, uh, like it appears they are, but matches like that aren't going to help him out. And Miz and Morrison, they just deserve better, especially Miz. Hopefully, he's not out for a long time, and I hope he's okay. Um, next match here was Bianca Belair defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Bailey. Doctor Trey and I both had Bianca Belair, and Bianca Belair did retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, I felt like the finish got botched where Bianca was going to wrap her hair around Bailey's Bailey during the pin as it came out before three. Uh, other than that, the match was fine. I didn't like that Bailey played from behind for most of the match. Um, excuse me, Bianca that played from behind for most of the match. I was hoping to see Bianca get similar booking like how Rhea has been booked lately as a newcomer who deserves to be on the same level as a Bailey. Um, so I, I just I didn't like the match, and and I love both these uh, these superstars, Doctor Trey. I was I was hoping for a little bit more from this as Bianca Belair retains SmackDown Women's Championship. I mean, the match itself I, I didn't hate, um, especially when it came to how the match was put together, because you know a lot of matches you see the heel the, you know, the heel cheats, and the babyface has to kind of work from behind, and, and Bianca's a different character than Rhea. Like Bianca on SmackDown is a full fledged babyface. Rhea's kind of that in-between character because you see her taking shots at Asuka then take shots at Charlotte, so it's a little bit different. Um, the one thing about these these matches like when you had these kooky finishes, these uh, we're going to try and be creative and, and come up with a way to get to the finish that we've never seen before, so let's, let's use Bianca's hair. But when you're doing that on a live event, guess what? That might go wrong and might look really bad. So, you know, I mean, we like... 
It's not like we saw like that uh, the ladder match when uh, Miz used the handcuffs, or no, Sami Zayn used the handcuffs. Like that was pretty freaking awesome, and it actually worked well. But we had never seen that before. Something like that, where you're like trying to use the hair to tie somebody up. It's like that that may go bad, and then your finish is going to look crazy and botched and take away from the match. I mean, if the match had a kind of a clean finish, we probably think you're going, "Hey, that's a, that was a pretty good match." But when you have a bad finish. It takes away from the overall joy of the whole match, the match as a whole. Absolutely, could not agree more with that. It was uh, it did not live up to the expectations of a Bianca Belair Bailey match. To be honest with you, uh, next match here was Bobby Lashley defending the WWE Championship against Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman in a triple threat match. I Drew McIntyre, Doctor Trade, Bobby Lashley, and Bobby Lashley did win and retain the WWE Championship. Uh, I thought this was another good triple threat match at WrestleMania Backlash. Match flowed really well, told a great story, and had some brutally physical spots. Great job by all three men, and I was happy to see Lashley retain despite picking Drew McIntyre. Uh, I want to see Lashley have a long reign. Uh, the story of McIntyre being so close to retain the WWE Championship but being so far with Lashley striking at the end was really good. Bobby Lashley retains. Dr. Trey, your thoughts on the triple threat match? Yeah, I thought it was a really good triple threat match. Really enjoyed it. Thought it flowed well. Everybody got their moments in there. Um, you know, and you get the underhanded heel kind of getting the win where, you know, Drew hits the Claymore, Lashley cans him out of the ring, hits a big spear. I thought it worked out really well. Then you come back on Raw the next night, and you still got Drew hunting Bobby Lashley and Braun selling the ribs. I, I thought the whole, you know, two nights of that whole storyline went together really well. So good job by, by all those guys involved. Uh, next match here was the main event. Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against Cesaro. Dr. Trey and I both had Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns did retain. Uh, solid match performance. I thought Reigns helped elevate Cesaro by making him look like an extremely tough opponent. Where they go from here will be important for Cesaro's development. I still believe he can become a future world champion. It appears they're going in the direction of reopening the Seth Rollins feud. Uh, I do think we are on pace for a Roman Reigns-Jimmy Uso Hell in a Cell match in June now at the next pay-per-view. Dr. Trey, I thought Roman Reigns helped make Cesaro look like a million bucks, as, as Cesaro already looks like a million bucks all the time. Uh, Reigns retained. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I thought, you know, there was part of me that was kind of wanting maybe a little bit more Cesaro offense because Roman's a very dominant presence in the ring. And then when you get towards the fan, you're like, wow, this actually came out really well. Like, he had to kind of work from underneath, got the advantage, got some near falls took some outside interference and some chicanery for uh, Roman to get the win. So I thought it made Cesaro look really, really strong, much like it did for Kevin Owens earlier this year. Um, so I thought that was that type of booking for that match. Like, Roman's got to pull out everything in his arsenal to beat this guy. Uh, so it worked out really well, and, and hopefully they can capitalize on this. I mean, if, if we get more Cesaro-Rollins stuff, I'm not, I'm not going to hate on that because they're fantastic, and we know what kind of quality of matches they can put together. Uh, but I wouldn't mind them circling back to Cesaro and Reigns once Cesaro and Rollins is over, you know, again. Uh, WrestleMania Backlash, a recap here of the predictions. I went 5-1. and one. Dr. Trey went a clean 6-0. Oh. I'm 46-19 on the year. Dr. Trey, 45-20 and 20 now. So the heat is on, heading into double or nothing. Uh, let's get our match of the night and event ratings. Dr. Trey, I'll go first out of five. I gave WrestleMania Backlash a 3.5. And I gave Rhea Ripley, Oscar, Charlotte Flair my match of the night. What say you on the event rating and match of the night from WrestleMania Backlash? Yeah, I was I was right there with it. I was at a three point four. I just I mean I thought it was a very I thought it was a a good like an average to good show. Like nothing really stood out to me as like, oh my god, I'm gonna remember this forever. Um, including, you know, the the father son tag team win, but 
you know, just to be different, I'll go with the uh, the men's triple threat match because I thought that was really well done. And when you got those three big guys, uh, and it wasn't lumbering or clunky, it was very clean throughout and, and very intense. I'll give I'll give the men's triple threat match the uh, the head the the win for the night. So there you go. Feel free to chime in at SRTU Podcast with your thoughts on the event rating and match of the night from yourselves over at WrestleMania Backlash uh, from this past Sunday. Moving forward here, Dr. Trey, uh, there are some reports out there about infighting. It's like the Beatles and Yoko Ono right now in all elite wrestling between the EVPs of Kenny Omega, Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, and um, Cody Rhodes. Uh, this is courtesy from the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and providing uh, some notes here from Wrestling Inc. as well. Uh, so this past week on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Pro Wrestling Torches, Wade Keller and Pro Wrestling, that's Jason Powell, discussed a rumored spat between AEW's EVPs, which are Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. During the discussion on Keller's Tuesday flagship show, the two speculated about infighting between the EVPs. Quote, saying, there's going to be a book written someday about some of the, these EVPs or someone else closely observing, and we're going to learn a lot about the d- dysfunction, Keller said. We're going to learn what a very short honeymoon period there was between certain key people in the company who aren't even talking to each other anymore. I think we're going to find that out. I know there are people in other wrestling companies saying the Bucks and Cody and Kenny, it's not going to be long at all before they want to have nothing to do with each other. The honeymoon period is going to be short. It seems like it is. It seems like there's some disengagement, people going off into their own that is showing up in certain ways. Powell then chimed in saying that the AW EVP should clear the air if these rumors aren't weren't true. He also revealed this rumored infighting was affecting potential signings. Quote, if that is not happening, they need to clear up that misconception, Powell said. I do think it's happening, but if it's not, I'll just say there's a would-be difference maker who could go there that has the option, that has that opinion that there's all this infighting and this person, for that reason, is hesitant to go there. There's been no confirmation on any heat between the four EVPs. On the Wrestling Observer board, the Wrestling Observer's Dave Meltzer admitted that Cody is more of a business relationship with Omega and the Bucks. However, quote, nobody isn't talking to each other. Quote, Meltzer said, anyway, nobody isn't talking to each other. It's impossible in wrestling to get everyone to agree on everything, especially when they're passionate about it. The Young Bucks and Omega are legit close personal friends. Cody's more of a business relationship with the other three, but it's not an adversarial one. In the least, and all have the same end goals, which is to build the company that sustains and grows. They have different philosophies, but everyone in the wrestling does based on when you grew up, where you grew up, and your life experiences. Quote, but Tony runs the show, and ultimately it's Tony's philosophy. All wanted a diversified approach, and you could argue whether that's good or bad, but that is what they all seem to agree on. End quote. So there's this rumored infight, and you had to figure it wasn't going to be smooth sailing the entire time. I haven't seen it translated in any negative way on AEW television whatsoever uh i think if you read the tea leaves young bucks kenny doing their own creative thing cody doing his own creative thing with the nightmare family in the factory so i do think that there's some credence to these stories because when aw first launched it was very much the elite was hangman page cody rhodes the young bucks kenny omega they were due to take on the inner circle in the original blood and guts match and i believe march of 2020 in newark new jersey when they were supposed to have aw dynamite before the pandemic uh, that didn't happen, and then we saw them basically just split away creatively. So you got to figure, Doctor Trey, right? The Beatles—they all—they didn't get along all the, the entire time. Yoko Ono reportedly split them up, depending on where you sit on that argument. For whatever reason, forty years later, but uh, it's no surprise here for me, and I don't think it's that big of a deal because I don't see it bleeding out to television. Your thoughts here on the reported rumors of the AWEVPs infighting? 
you know, I, I I don't know if there's infighting as much as basically like that like they said in the report, like there's differences of styles of how they want the show to be focused on. And in, in full transparency, you, you can see that at times on AEW because it does feel like there is a certain group of wrestlers and characters that are Cody's guys. And then there's a group that's kind of, you know, Buck's guys. And there's a group that's kind of, you know, in with Kenny. And there's a group that's kind of in with Jericho. And even though Jericho's not an EVP, I'm sure he has a lot of, you know, pull and sway when it comes to how the show's put together. And then you have Tony Khan kind of being the master of ceremonies, putting it all together. And that's why some shows have a really good flow. And then some shows kind of feel segmented and all over the place, but it's still an entertaining product. Um, there is a definitely a pecking order. Uh, much like we talked about with WWE, where everything kind of gets filtered up through Vince. Uh, as we've seen, everything does get filtered up through Tony. Uh, the big thing going forward then is if, if, the infighting does become real is does Tony Khan have an EVP pecking order? Like who would he side with? You know, if, if the bucks came up and said, Hey, we're not dealing with Cody anymore. Where do allegiances fall? Like if, if Cody and Omega have a falling out or Omega and the bucks, like where do the allegiances fall when it comes, if you have to make those hard choices, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm waiting to see that, that there is the fallout if there actually is infighting. Otherwise, I just think it's, you know, guys have different creative mindsets and, and want the show to go different ways. And so it's like, okay, well, you have this 30 minutes, you get this 30-minute window, you get this 30-minute window, and you get this 30-minute window, we'll put the show together based on that. That's kind of how I feel like the, the shows are kind of patched together at times. Yeah, you could see it, like you said, on television. It, uh, I think Cody has a very uh, old-school approach to the booking and creative style that we see with him. Bucks, Kenny, they're kind of outside of the box, I would say, or at least attempt to be with their things. Um, And it's different. It's just different philosophies, and it's made for an interesting show. I'd like to see different creative philosophies rather than one stereotypical one, which we're accustomed to seeing sometimes with WWE. I think you see different creative philosophies come out on NXT, which is fun to see. And uh, it seems to be working so far. I I don't think it ever will break up AEW, but... um, crazier things have happened but you had to figure that this was going to happen at some point where they were all, all not going to see eye to eye like all four all five of them and that's what makes you know this is this is what happens when, when you when you give people titles not to try like there's there's going to be toes stepped on and at some point business is is going to uh to split up old friendships i mean i think at the end of the day if, if they're not friends and it's more business casual i, I think they could all look back and say that they're their gamble at doing a show called All In then um, led to a promotion that rocked the wrestling world and has, has changed the game so far in the last 18 months or so. So reported AEW infighting taking place, which uh, clearly is not affecting their finances, as uh, another report came out this week uh, coming to us from Wrestling Inc. that AEW Dynamite is moving to TBS in January 2022. AEW Rampage is going to debut a new one-hour show on Friday, August 13th. Uh, as AW President, CEO, and General Manager and Head of Creative, Tony Khan appeared on Busted Open Radio this past Wednesday morning and announced the new agreement with Warner Media. The new agreement will see AW move to TBS in 2022. As I said before, it also revealed that a new TV show called AW Rampage will premiere on Friday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. The one-hour TNT show will premiere on Friday, August 13th. Rampage will move to TBS with Dynamite in 2022. Khan also revealed that AW will begin airing quarterly TV specials on TNT in 2022, similar to Clash of Champions. 
Khan noted that AEW has renegotiated their contract with TNT and TBS. It's believed that, that the deal is an eight-figure payday from Warner Media, according to PW Insider. It was announced in January 2020 that AEW and Warner Media extended their TV deal for Dynamite on TNT through 2023 for four years and $175 million, or just under $45 million a year. Um, some reason as to why this is happening, the NHL factored into the decision to move to AW programming from TNT to TBS in 2022, as NHL will be uh, coming over to the Warner Media um, uh, channels of TBS, TNT, and True TV moving forward. Uh, the general manager of those uh, companies, Brett Wheats, said, sure, NHL had something to do with it. The NBA had something to do with it. The new college schedule with a ton of preemptions. And so we look to where we believe the consumer is going to be and where wrestling fans are going to be. We want to give them the most opportunity to consume as many shows as possible. We felt TBS had an opportunity really to be the network and the best platform for expansion. Uh, fans, of course, have questioned if AW's use of blood and profanity will change when they move to TBS since it's more sitcom heavy rather than the drama that we see with TNT. And it's been noted that there will not be a change since they are under the same standards of practice. Fans have also pointed out the TNT title might have to change its name due to the changing stations. However, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer is reporting that the plan is to keep the title as is. Uh, Dynamite is, is going to be on Friday night this upcoming uh, following week, so uh, eight days from now, heading into Double or Nothing weekend. It's going to be on Friday night for a couple of weeks due to the NBA playoffs. I, I saw that schedule recently. So, I mean, AW ton of momentum coming out of the, one, of their, one of their biggest pay-per-views of Double or Nothing. And it's going to be derailed a little bit because they're going to be preempted and moved to different nights or later in the evening, what have you, which is not good. But uh, here we are, Dr. Trey. Dynamite moving to TBS in 2022. AW Rampage set to debut Friday, August 13th. Your thoughts on the big moves and shakeups over in All Elite Wrestling. Are they going to uh, end Big Bang Theory reruns then? Because I'll be really disappointed. I love the Big Bang Theory. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's, you know, in a way, it's a good move because TBS actually is in more homes than TNT. So it's a little more distribution, um, bigger revenue stream coming in because you get more advertising on a bigger network than you do on, you know, TNT's still a big network, but TBS is bigger. And, you know, I, I would hope at some point uh, we get a, a, a show on Saturday night at 6.05 uh, on the Superstation, if you will. Because um, I think that'd be a great little homage to the past as well. I mean, I'm actually kind of excited about this because TBS is one of my favorite stations to watch in general. So I think it's a good move. And then the interesting thing is with these preempt- uh, preemptive moves because of, uh, of the NBA playoffs, we get AEW and SmackDown head-to-head. And now if you think AEW is tooting their own horn for beating NXT – if Dynamite comes in with bigger ratings than SmackDown, um, I think that might sound some alarms up in the Titan Towers. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to run quite yet. Uh, I do know Dynamite will be airing at 10 p.m. Uh, in the, the following Friday. If they do go head-to-head, head, that'll be very interesting. Dynamite versus Friday Night SmackDown. I would say Friday Night SmackDown, to me, Dr. Trey, and this may not be popular, I, I think I enjoy that show more than I enjoy Dynamite right now. Because wasn't uh, AEW you're in the ring for promotion of the year? Uh, the, we did our uh, July picks. July picks? Well, didn't we do like our mid year our mid year award show? We well last year I gave AEW my promotion of the year. Absolutely. I thought we did. I thought we did. Uh, it's May. Are you okay? No, I'm tired, Jeff. You know that. <laughs> oh no. 
No, we, I think when we did it quarterly. Maybe we did it a couple weeks yeah, we ago. Yeah, but I thought AEW was in your running again. So They are, yeah. And I would say they're number two right now behind SmackDown. So you got NXT third? I would say SmackDown, uh, AEW, NXT. Yeah, I'm, I'm not enjoying NXT as much as I used to. I miss the full-sale crowd. Yeah, I, I can't I can't hate on that either. So, yeah, I'm, I'm probably with you. Um, although I will say AEW is the only show I make sure I try to watch every week. Wow. Um, I do. I mean, Fridays are hard when you got kids and, and family. Yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. Like no, that. it's so, tough. Uh, I mean, I watch Raw every week because there isn't really anything on Monday nights right now. So, uh, and, and the wife and I are going through and watching all of Game of Thrones. So it's like usually Monday nights we watch Raw, Tuesday's Game of Thrones, Wednesday is AEW, Thursday's Game of Thrones. So we're trying to catch up on Game of Thrones, even though we're like three years behind it. So big moves for AEW Dynamite, Rampage debut in here soon. Some more uh, wrestling content out there in case you didn't get enough of it. And as more wrestling content is coming to our television screens, wrestling is now coming back into arenas with wrestling fans. As uh, I believe ROH announced that Best in the World will be in front of fans in early July. Uh, AEW Double or Nothing uh, on Memorial Day weekend will have a packed house. And then there's reports out there right now that WWE will be testing, is the words that's currently being used, their first live event run the weekend of july 16th through 19 so it starts with friday night smackdown saturday will be some sort of live event sunday will be what is reportedly the wwe money in the bank pay-per-view and then monday live with fans in the crowd as well as the thunderdome will be wrapping up soon here reportedly and then also you had fox is been has been reportedly quietly pushing wwe to bring fans back as well uh, which begs the question here, Dr. Trey, is a return to the, quote, old WWE live event touring and TV schedule bad for business? The uh, reason why I ask that is because not a lot of injuries this past year. Wrestlers got to physically and mentally rest more than ever. Um, if, you know, we talked about this during the pandemic in, in the midst of the, the height of it all, that the belief was that WWE not, would not return to live event touring anytime soon. I think the numbers that were out there was 2022. And the schedule that we were accustomed to previously would be out the window. I'm sure the wrestlers enjoyed the time off that they've had this past year, given the current circumstances, what have you. Uh, but allow them to rest and be okay. Um, outside of like the Mrs. injury, which actually took place at the pay-per-view, I can't think of many injuries that were taking place. I mean, I, I think of times where like Seth Rollins got hurt during a live event. Uh, there were plenty of live event injuries over the year, and, and, and guys and girls weren't allowed to rest up. Uh, I'm not a fan of the old WWE live event touring schedule. And I think more rest physically and mentally for the wrestlers, the better. Your thoughts here. Is is a return to that old live event touring and TV schedule bad for business if WWE goes that direction? Um, I, I think if they go full bore like they used to be, it is. Um, you know, you and I have sat here many times over the course of nearly 600 shows. And, and gone through a laundry list of guys who were injured. You know, you and I go back to that fall of, uh, how was it, 2014, and half the roster was not injured. You know, and it was just like there's nothing compelling going on TV right now because everybody's hurt. Uh, but I do think there is a space for some live events because, like we talked about with Ricochet, we have a lot of guys who aren't being utilized that are on the main roster. And live events is where guys would go out there and try different stuff to try and get noticed by, you know, the writers or the producers and be like, you know, hey, let's, this this change in style or changing gimmick 
could actually really work if we put some, you know, put a little bit of push behind it. Uh, and without those, I think there's, you know, they're just relegated doing stuff on main events or, you know, stuff like that. And it, it doesn't really work where with AEW, they have dark and, and, and elevation and they guys can go out there and try different things and see if something kind of catches fire or, you know, even build up their numbers. So when they get back on dynamite, it's like, Oh wow. The, the varsity blondes are the number one contenders because they haven't lost a match in three months. Well, we haven't really seen them on dynamite, but they've been killing it on dark and elevation. It's a kind of a good way to kind of build that stuff in. So I, maybe if they did four days on three days off, might be a little better. Cause for a while they were doing like five, six days on and one day off. So maybe a four and three mix might not be as bad. Yeah. I don't want to see them returning the old live event schedule. I just think it's not good for uh, the long-term future of a lot of these uh, wrestlers nowadays. And and at one point it was the reason why people were going to AEW is because they weren't doing live events. They were just doing TV on Wednesdays, the pay-per-views and, and things were slow and it was keeping the wrestlers uh, safe and healthy, which is important, especially nowadays, both not only physical, but mental stuff that goes on with it. The travel. I, I saw a quote recently from John Moxley that, the hardest part from of wrestling is the travel. The the funnest part is being in the ring, and that's like fifteen to twenty minutes. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see where things going, but it, it's it's ramping up here quickly. You're starting to see, at least here in the United States, like us return to normal, which eight weeks ago is something we we still didn't think was was this close away. But things have ramped up a lot quicker to get people back to doing what they did normally uh, prior to the COVID COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, some sad news out of uh, New Japan this past uh, today. I saw this story, Dr. Trey. Uh, Will Ospreay had to vacate the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship due to injury. Uh, New Japan announced that Osprey suffered a neck injury back on May 4th and will be returning to the UK for treatment and rehab of the injury. There's no time timetable for Osprey's return, so the title has been vacated. New Japan noted that further announcements on the status of the IWDP, IWGP World Heavyweight title will be made at a later date. Uh, New Japan is also currently dealing with a COVID-19 outbreak and has not been running any shows. Sad news. I mean, Osprey just cannot catch a break, this poor kid. I mean, this was finally his breakout opportunity. He is the new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, the second IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, and he gets injured, injured with a neck injury. Your thoughts here as Osprey has to uh, vacate the title. Yeah, it really sucks because he was really coming into his own the last couple of years. We saw him you know, put on some size, put on a little bit of muscle, and not lose the speed. And this was the best version of Will Ospreay we've seen. And this is a guy that, you know, can, can fight the heavyweights, and you believe it because it was, you know, he got bigger and then could fight, fight the the cruiserweight guys and, and keep up with their speed. And it, it, it just sucks. And, and then the question now for me becomes, you know, I don't know how long his contract is for, and does now this injury maybe put that little fire in him about, hey, maybe I should try to make that jump to the States because who knows how long I have left if I'm, if I'm getting neck injuries and things like that. So uh, hopefully you know, he comes back fully recovered and healthy and, and can pick up right where he left off. Uh, but you know, with the forbidden door being open, Jeff, that does mean that the, you know, there's, there's other opportunities here in the States as well for a guy like Will Ospreay. Uh, and then other some uh, sad news here. Uh, NXT made several releases on Wednesday uh, as Jasmine Duke, Vanessa Bourne, Skylar Story, who was the former Brandy Lauren in Evolve, Ezra Judge, Alexander Wolf, who recently lost on Wednesday and was kicked out of Imperium, Kavita Devi, who performed at WrestleMania 34, uh, and NXT referees Drake Younger and Jacob Clemens were released. There was also another release that uh, was announced uh, before the podcast actually began that I'll get to here momentarily. 
But uh, some sad news out of there, Dr. Trey. I always hate to say releases, especially Vanessa Bourne, who I felt like was a really good NXT star. Jasmine Duke never really got a good chance at uh, you know getting an opportunity. Uh, and then Alexander Wolf, who I enjoyed in Sanity, not so much in Imperium, uh, all release. And then the stuff with Drake Younger, the NXT referee. There was a lot of uh, his political controversies that made its way into NXT. Reportedly, there's a lot of stories about him that are coming up right now that I'm sure you could find at any and all um, wrestling news websites. But um, some sad news after Trey when releases take place in NXT or WWE in general. Yeah, I mean... It always sucks when people lose their jobs. I mean, you and I have sat here and gone through a laundry list of, you know, guys getting fired and and, and released over the course of, of the years of the show. You know, and, and every time that we have these releases, we all kind of sit back and go, man, you know, I can't believe they released so-and-so. I can't believe this one. And, and with this one, to me, you know, releasing Jesmond Duke, that takes away the, you know, any potential horsewomen versus horsewomen match. Um the Brandy Lauren release, I thought was kind of surprising because she had just really come over from the Evolve signings. It wasn't that long ago. We see some of the other Evolve people, you know, kind of making their way through the company now. Um, you know, and, and the Alexander Wolf one I thought was kind of surprising because, you know, with him getting picked out of, of Imperium, you know, after his match with Killian Dane, I was like, well, maybe he jumps back in with Killian and, you know, they, they had some successes in, as part of Sanity. Maybe that can kind of, you know, refabricate itself and you know then the release happened right after that so a little surprising but you know most of these people are good enough to catch on back on the independence and as we've seen before in the past other people get on the indies make a name for yourself and you get called back up and make more money actually uh and then this story broke just as we were uh beginning the podcast here according to pw insider the velveteen dream has reportedly been released from his wwe nxt contract um he was part of that group of nxt talents that were released on wednesday uh, but there's no word yet on when Dream found out. It was reported recently that Dream was backstage on the May 10th Raw episode, but never scheduled to appear on TV. He had also been back at the WWE Performance Center in recent weeks after being away for some time. Following some controversies and an injury in 2020, Dream had not appeared on NXT television since losing to Adam Cole on the December 23rd episode. Dream had been with WWE in October 2015, following around the sixth season of WWE Tough Enough earlier that year. He leaves the company as a one-time former NXT North American champion. And at one point, Dr. Trey, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but out of, like, newcomer breakout stars, the Velveteen Dream was probably the most over newcomer breakout star in all of professional wrestling, what, uh, two years ago? I mean, a year ago at this time, he was coming off of an NXT championship match with Adam Cole heading into WrestleMania weekend. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of controversy surrounding him that I'm sure, once again, you could research on any wrestling news website or just Google um, and appeared to be um, allegedly in his own way of, of his success, and it just never transcended ever again. Uh, I mean, what a fall from grace here. I, such an uber talent, and we'll never know the true story behind it all, but kind of shocking. If I knew this a year ago, two years ago, it's definitely that the Velveteen Dream would be released by WWE, I would have guessed not. Uh, high hopes for this guy. He was in that WWE 2K commercial with like a bunch of wrestling legends, which tells you how high up they had him. Would have figured at some point he would have been NXT champion, would have been on Raw or SmackDown in an upper mid-card, maybe in a main event spot. Super over with the fans. Velveteen Dream is no more in WWE, Dr. Trey. Yeah, uh, I mean, 2019, he was arguably the most popular wrestler in the business. I mean, uh, definitely the NXT brand. I mean, he was super popular. The extravagant entrances. I mean, how many? Not many people in NXT 
ever get these super extravagant entrances and, and, you know, dreams had quite a few of those. Um, you know, it does suck. He, he, I don't like comparing guys, but he reminds me in a lot of ways of Leo Rush and during Leo Rush's time in WWE where, you know, bunch of hype and, and got, you know, very popular and then just kind of kept getting in his own way. Um, you know, I just hope he, you know, he can straighten things out because he's tremendously talented and this character is beloved by a lot of people. And I'm sure, you know, there's, there's a variation of this character that Patrick Clark can do on other brand, uh, you know, other, you know, mediums out there and reestablish himself if that's what he wants to do. But this is one of those crossroads in his life where he has to kind of figure out which way does he want to go? Um, because he, I mean, he could do the Drew Galloway, Cody Rose stuff and go out there, make a name for himself and, and make those guys come beat down those doors to resign them or, you know, go the way of Ryback and some other ones where just never really seen or heard from again. If he is heard from again, nobody wants to hear it. Uh, and then finally, other news that broke this evening. Uh, Don Callis is no longer working as co-executive vice president of Impact Wrestling, according to multiple sources. It was reported today by PW Insider Fightful Select that Callis is no longer an executive in any capacity for Anthem Sports Entertainment or any of their brands, including Impact Wrestling. Callis remains with the company as performer. Callis reportedly finished up his Impact duties last month. He had slowly been decreasing his responsibilities outside of the Impact creative team for some time, going back to last year. Kals officially left the Impact creative team in April. Impact streamlined their creative team with Kals' exit, and there are no current plans to replace him. It was noted that the nucleus of the current Impact creative team is Executive VP Scott Demore, Tommy Dreamer, R.D. Evans, and Jimmy Jacobs. Kals and Impact officials remain on good terms, and this exit was not a dramatic one. He worked the most recent set of TV tapings and will continue to appear as a manager for the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. Uh, Omega and Kals only worked the first day of recent Impact TV tapings as they filmed their content and were not there for the remaining three days. There had been speculation on Callis' status after he was removed from the Anthem corporate website this past weekend. Wrestling Inc. exclusively reported back in early December that Callis' Impact contract was coming up in January of this year. It was speculated that once he was done with Impact, Callis may move to AEW for a full-time gig as a manager of his friend, Kenny Omega. Uh, regarding that speculation on Callis and AEW, word now is that he's expected to end up with AEW in a full-time role. However, there is no timetable for if and when that may happen. It was noted that some within Impact were not surprised by Kals' exes. Demore has pretty much led things since the beginning. Impact announced back in December 2017 that they had hired Kals as a new co-executive vice president to work alongside Scott Demore. So Don Callis out as an executive VP in Impact Wrestling, Dr. Trey. Kind of not a surprise here. Uh, unfortunate because, you know, uh, we don't know what's going on in the inner workings, but Kals and Demore have done a fantastic job re- bringing new life back into the Impact Wrestling brand. Yeah, like you said, it's not really surprising because when Callis took that job, you got to remember, uh, you know, Kenny and, and Jericho were under contracts to other companies, um, and those are two of his two of his best friends. And 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 even you know now we see Christian in AEW. Well, that's another one of Don Callis' best friends. Um, so seeing him kind of be that bridge between Impact and AEW, opening up that that that, that line of communication. Uh, I think he did his role very, very well getting all that set up. And, you know, he wants to be where his friends are, especially when you get to, you know, a, a spot in your life like Don is and Jericho. And all those guys, you want to work with people you trust and people that you value. So I think it's a good move for everybody involved. It allowed Impact to get that working relationship with AEW, allows Don Callis to be seen on multiple shows, which increases his value, Kenny on multiple shows. I, I think it, it worked out really well for him. I mean, the guy has gotten nine lives. I mean, think of, 
you know, him as the jackal in WWE and then in ECW and then New Japan as an announcer. Now you see him making, you know, impact AEW moves. I mean, the guy is, is, is just can't kill Don Callis, basically. So, uh, you know, happy for the guy to make the move. It impacts like, hey, we kind of knew this was coming. We already had plans in place. So it doesn't look like it's hurting anybody by this move. So it's it's a good move for everybody, I guess. Yeah, so there you go. Don Callis out of Impact Wrestling, Velveteen Dream out of NXT. Wild day here, as we just literally came on the show and these stories were breaking. So um, I think with that said, Dr. Trey, we've covered a ton here on this week's edition of the podcast. And it's time to uh, close up shop and get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. Uh, this sh- show, you can download every Thursday at thebowershow.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Still Realtor Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us on the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling, like we talked about earlier. Coming out of the uh, Wrestling Con for Haze as we head into, I guess, the transition into our new year of content. Uh, we will, I'll be posting up the link to the Wrestling Con 4 uh, video, along with pictures and everything else. You can sure check those out. Um, and you can also pick up shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees and also bootandheel.com uh, for your favorite Rocket City people. Uh, just not me. I'm not on there yet. But I'm, I'm coming up with new t-shirt designs so I can get mine out there as well. So go out there, support all the great things that support the Still Real Toast Show, and uh, continue to just uh, love everything that is SRTU. We will be back next week on the 27th. We will preview and predict AW Double or Nothing. We'll get you ready for Memorial Day weekend. And, of course, everything that goes on in the wonderful world of professional wrestling and a whole lot more. So until next week, uh, if you knew that you broke your finger and had no idea or dislocated or what have you, Feel free to chime in and ask her to you podcast like Dr. Trey and I talked about in the beginning of the show. Until then, till next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. This is the Still Real Toast Show. Taking school spirit. The fun's just getting started. To the max. This is gonna be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy phase, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.